today's guest has written a good number of books, not just one or two, and not in the same areas, right? So look, any one of them we might bring up during this live interview, but we're definitely going to talk about change because it's the actual subject of her new book. Welcome to our Wednesday live event, Innovation and Audio. My name is Lloyd Ford with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. We help local broadcasters make more money by being an affordable programming partner who can develop the right position for your local brand or brands, coach your morning show and other talents, design and execute station architecture, provide weekly music updates, and even produce your daily music logs. Provide excellent voice trackers, sales and promotions ideas that move the needle on revenue and much, much more. We are confidential and market exclusive for radio. Reach out anytime if you have a question, a problem, or you just want somebody to talk to about what's going on in your life as a broadcaster. F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. Reach out anytime if you have a question, a problem, or you just want somebody to talk to about what's going on in your life as a broadcaster. F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. This live event is part of a podcast series called Innovation and Audio Podcast and will become available within about an hour, maybe less, at the end of this episode or this event. And of course, you'll be able to get it wherever you get your podcast. That's thanks, by the way, to Joe Kelly, who produces our podcast events and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. They do an absolutely amazing job. Today, we're going to visit March 16th, 2022, Elizabeth Hamilton Durino. Now, listen, uh, uh, I, I got to tell you, she's the author of the Change Guidebook, but so much more. She's on the Forbes Business Council. And before we get started with our current guest, I would like to give you a quick preview of what's coming up next week on Innovation in Audio. March 23rd, 2022, I, Irene Shabadi will be here. She is an MBA, Harvard instructor, innovation and strategy consultant, corporate trainer and entrepreneur in San Francisco, California. And I can tell you, we're going to go some pretty innovative places with her. And I'm looking forward to that discussion as well. You can see our full upcoming guest calendars uh, in our free blog section at RainmakerPathway.com. Of course, you'll also find free encouragement for on-air and promotions with our more than live and local guest series. And for local radio sellers, we have even more encouragement for them with our encouraging sales success series, as well as free resources for anyone in radio or audio today. We do not lock away anything on our site the way some consultants do, because we believe in this theory um, that we believe for a while, which is the theory of abundance. Ask me about it sometime. I'd be glad to share it with you. So go to Rainmaker Pathway anytime and see what you can get for free from our team. Let's talk about today's guest right now. Listen, Elizabeth is the founder of the Best Ever You Network and the Chief Executive Officer of Compliance for these companies. Through these companies, she has helped, listen to this, individuals and organizations around the world do their best and achieve world-class excellence with gratitude-based behavior and belief systems. She is one of America's foremost personal and corporate development consultants specializing in mindset, gratitude, change management, strategy, leadership, and get this one, 
taking action. A lot of people talk about innovation, they talk about change, but they don't add taking action. So it's gonna be really great to talk with her about how she does that. Elizabeth is the author of eight books, including the award-winning book, Percolate, Let Your Best Self Filter Through. Her new book, The Change Guidebook, How to Align Your Heart, Truths, and energy to find success in all areas of your life is out right now. The Change Guidebook ends the search for self-help that works, serving as a lifelong companion guide and resource to complement your life. It is a guide for anyone who's seeking change and wants to align to their highest purpose. You've heard us talk about be kinder than you have to be, that saying usually ends with these words. You never know what people are carrying around with them. We don't say that part. It's kind of implied. Well, Elizabeth lives her daily life with multiple life-threatening food allergies. Elizabeth and Sally Huss have co-authored three best-selling children's books, uh, A Lesson for Every Child Learning About Food Allergies, Self-Confident Sandy, and Best Ever You. Elizabeth is a member of the Forbes Business Council and serves as a leadership advisor for the Olympia Snow Women's Leadership Institute. Elizabeth and her husband, Peter, they live in Maine with their four sons. Elizabeth, welcome to the Encouragers and Innovation in Audio. How are you? Fine, thank you. That was a lot to read. <laughs> Sorry. Well, well, no, no, it's actually good. And, and, and look, you can tell what people are about. You know, you hear, look, you hear people talk about this all the time. People say a lot of things, but their actions, their actions show who they are. And we're going to talk about that. We're so fortunate to talk to you and to talk about the subjects that we're going to talk about on this live event and podcast. Let's start with the way back machine, though. We like to do that with guests because we <laughs> like to start with little you. I'm going to guess that you didn't start out your journey in life thinking, you know what? I'm going to write a bunch of books and help people change. Or did you, when you were growing up, was that the goal for you? Or what did you want to be when you, you thought about being an adult? You know, I, I love gymnastics. I, I really thought I was going to be an Olympic gymnast, but injuries got in the way of that. But um, it was sort of a, I, I could be an Olympic gymnast <laughs> had I not been injured. So that's you know, what that's I a, really set out to do. Yeah, that, that gymnast business is a tough business if you watched what happened at the Olympics this year. Oh, and yeah. man, it's it's really a lot. I think it's a lot more demanding than people think. And they're a lot more injury prone than most of us think too, right? Uh, very much so. Yeah, I've, I've broken many, many things. My hand, my, my right knee hurts. You know, there's all sorts of things. But, um, you know, that what I learned from gymnastics was leadership and and respectful competition and that taking action because you know you don't just wish to be uh, a gymnast uh, of you know world class gymnast what you know you have to really work for that so um, you know you I'd watch TV and see you know Nadia on TV Nadia Comaneci and um, yeah and I'd I'd wish I could be like that. But I realized, boy, I have to really work for that. And so that was, I did, you know, to answer your question, uh, I really 
was kind of like this as a little kid. Um, I really wanted to be a, a writer when I was in kindergarten. I mean, I I went into kindergarten reading and writing and helped the other kids learn to read and write um, and, and was teaching from a very young age. Listen, I, we're really fortunate in life if we discover what our gifts are. I'm a big believer in this. <laughs> I've seen it in my life. I've seen it in the lives of others and uh, people that I've managed, people that I've been fortunate enough to work for. And so, look, this is you. University of Iowa, journalism, then St. Ambrose University, BA, multimedia journalism. Finally, Harvard Business School leadership. You're a spokesperson for, I'm just going to take a shot at this and say that that's fact, even though it's F-A-A-C-T. That is the food allergy and Anaphylaxis. Anaphylaxis, yes, connection <laughs> team. Yeah. And, and look, you're the spokesperson for Medic Alert. I think the Medic Alert Foundation, a lot of us are very familiar with this. Yeah. You're also a leadership advisor for Olympia Snow Women's Leadership Institute. Let's take a pause before we go any further and talk about how having your life potentially threatened by food changes a person. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey in this? Yeah. So I developed life-threatening food allergies after a pregnancy at around age 28. I'm 52 now. And so I've, I've lived my life um, trying to stay alive and thrive with very life-threatening food allergies. I do have anaphylaxis. And and some foods to me, I equate it to like, some foods are like poisonous to me. If I eat them, I am, if without intervention, I'll die from it. So those are fish. And do you know what they are in advance? I do now uh, through, you know, through being, you know, having some allergic reactions, <laughs> of course. Um, but I, I am allergic to fish, shellfish, uh, all nuts, and peanuts. So, yeah, so I'm navigating that. Um, I'm a creature of reading labels, trusting people when I go out for dinner, you know, trusting, you know, you you ask a lot of questions when you go out for dinner with me. (laughs) Elizabeth, do do you still have episodes where something's missed and you end up in a situation you don't want to be in? I, I do actually. Yeah. About six months ago, my husband had to administer epi to me. Uh, there were walnuts in something. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's an issue. And I've, I've uh, nearly lost my life twice. Uh, real severe allergic reactions. Once when I was uh, six months pregnant with our third child. Oh my. Well, yeah, listen, was very scary. I, I have to tell you how much I admire you because, and maybe this will be a theme during this live event, themes often will pop up on their own, but you are a person that not only when you had this happen to you, you, you turn it into books, you turn it into books to help other people. I think that's fascinating. Well, thank you. Uh, I, I do. I really do try to, uh, you know, get us all together so that more, you know, people don't die from this so that we do stay alive and thrive because, you know, one in 13 kids has a food allergy now and we do lose children to, to, to eating peanuts or candy bars or pudding, or Mm. one of my best friends lost his son to uh, eating pudding at a, at a buffet. It had peanut flour in it while they were on Mm -hmm. vacation. 
Yeah. So things, there's, there's terrible things that happen. So I do carry epinephrine around. I do, the people around me are trained to dial 911, administer right. the epi, Benadryl, you know, all those good things. Well, and we're going to keep you, we're going to keep you safe tonight because I'm, <laughs> yeah. feeding, I'm feeding you nothing with peanuts. I'm just going to tell you that Please right no. now. All right, yeah. all right. Listen, so this would not be an encouraging event. You know, we're the encouragers. Okay. And our podcast is like that too. And, and look, we just wouldn't be an encouraging event if we didn't ask you to share information on how people can get correct information and help with food allergies. Can you share that with us? So I, I, I'm a spokesperson for FACT, which, which we already went, went through. Uh, yes, I yes. believe um, I'm really good friends with Eleanor Guerra Holding, whose story is also in, in the book, in the Change Guidebook, her son, about her son Thomas. Yes. And uh, that's, that's really the best resource to go for uh, really anyone with food allergies. Excellent. All right. Foodallergyawareness.org. So let's talk about this. I want to know what has drawn you to think about and talk about change. And I'm going to add something to that. Take action about change because that's part of you. It is. So my what really draws me to talk, I've written two books on change, Percolate and the Change Guidebook. And it was really a moment with my dad that changed my life uh, to, really? to talk about change. Uh, he was a stroke survivor from 2004 to 2018. He passed away in two, at the end of 2018. Sorry. And um, yeah, thank you. In 2004, he was in a rehab facility and they did a speech test on him. And my mom and I were in the room and the nurse gave him an alphabet exam. You say A, and he's supposed to tell you what word comes to mind. Well, my dad said aardvark and then said benevolent. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? We were all like, oh, my God. So he said aardvark, and then he said benevolence, courage, determination, excellence. F was a great swear word that I've changed to faith, um, uh -oh. goodness, happiness. He just went down the list with these positive words. M was movies, and P was platypus. So I, uh -oh. in Percolate, you'll hear me say, you know, find your inner aardvark and platypus. And there, it just... I had, I was feeling like a, like, sorry for myself all the time with these food allergies. And mm. he was just so inspirational to me that moment because they thought he was going to say nothing. And he rattled off this amazing list. And I wrote down, I wrote it down as he was talking. I quickly grabbed my journal out of my purse, wrote it down and percolate was created right there. I can just imagine you sitting in the room with your mom and seeing this happen when you don't <laughs> expect it. Right. Yeah, no, we didn't think he was going to say anything. And the nurse said, you know, people in this kind of condition, they never talk again. And well, they didn't have an aardvark, clearly. <laughs> or a platypus. So. <laughs> right, um, right. Yeah. I have to leave that out, right? All right. So listen, I don't know this, but I just imagine that education has played a very strong role in your life as your life has developed. How important is self-education in the journey dealing with the power of and the encouragement of change? Well, I think, I think it's really important to be a lifelong learner at any age, you know, at right. all ages. So lifelong learner and education has played an incredible role in, in my, in my world as have mentors. Uh, my parents went bankrupt when I was a teenager oh in college. Yeah. In the, in my first year of college, my parents went bankrupt. Their, their business went completely, um, kablooey. That's what I say. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was, you know, I, I was forced to like decide if I was going to go to college, you know, stay in college or go get a job or what. And I ended up doing both. I, I worked full time and put myself through school and it was not easy. There was exhaustion involved. And, but I look back to my 
mentors and professors uh, who helped me through that time, um, people like Duke Schneider and Alan Seville at, at St. Ambrose and um, David Baker and, and that, that gang there at TV 11 that taught me to be a journalist. Yes. And it was just pivotal. So I think education, uh, it, it just, it, it changes your foundation. It does. And it, it really does. And any kind of education, whether it's a certificate in leadership or a, or a certificate, you know, the, the book I wrote is a master class in change. So any kind of le learning that you're doing is always great, I think. You know, um, I, if you hang out with me for any length of time, you'll know, and, and by the way, you won't just take this at face value. You'll also understand how desperate I am for it, <laughs> but I chase wisdom. Now you yeah. understand coping and managing change. And some of this has been thrust on you. This isn't as much about innovation as saying, Hey, in life, change happens. So you, you can say, okay, you know, for the people that hate change, change can be really difficult. Uh, I like to say that good things and bad things happen to everyone. Change is life. Do you encounter people who struggle with change? And if you do, how do you encourage those people? So all differently, but yes, we're, I think we're wired for the most part, you know, this is a generalization. We're we're wired to resist change. We yes. love we love our comfort zone. I, you know, we love our comfy bathrobe and our slippers, and to just you know, we hope some moments never change. We hope some some do, but yes. we're wired for that comfort zone. A, a lot of us are, and so to unwire us from the comfort zone is tricky. And that's where the book meets the person who needs to change or wants to change or has had a change that they uh, that they didn't expect, and so. When you're moving people out of their comfort zone or they're thrust into their uh, out of their comfort zone, yes, it is. Uh, it, it, everybody's different. I think that's the answer to your question. Everybody's different, but I do start pretty much with everyone with talking about gratitude and rooting in gratitude. Mm, now you're talking because your worst it? day. You know, this is this is something people say like your worst day is somebody else's best, and I do truly believe that to look around and be extremely grateful for everything you have and every moment of time you have as well. When people get grumpy about change, I also talk about time management as well because we are not entitled to time. Right. Well, time is the only thing that's real. I always like to tell clients like you know. Do you know how you can tell money's made up? Because if the government wants more money, they just print it. But they can't print more time because time is real. Okay. Yeah. Now, look, you, you, I have this behavioral, before we leave this ground, I have this behavioral mathematician who is my mentor today, 73 years old. And he says that people love change if they're doing it. If it goes their way. <laughs> you know, like if <laughs> yeah. they're, if they want it, change is great. If change is being put upon them, that's where you run into the rub right there. Listen, you've written all these books and we've already learned about you that you learned in moments with your parents, like when they went bankrupt, I'm sure that taught you immeasurable things. And at the right point in your life to have that happen actually, and then in that moment with your dad where they were going through those words and so you learned that what has writing taught you well writing has taught me that 
it's it's a mechanism to connect with other people and share and share your story and get people together who um, have have similar experiences or need to learn from you and you know i think i just think writing is such a such a powerful action to take and i i just i mean i just love it i write every day i've written since i was a little kid and and i feel a little bit lost when i if i take a day if i take a day off from not writing something that's where i get um that's where i lose my way a little bit so i think writing has taught me my my way and my path communication is so important i don't care what you're doing for change or for work or for in personal life listen i see this all the time people love to talk about innovation but as humans myself included it's often our own self-imposed limits that create the impairment to change, to innovation. Do you focus on self-created limits first when talking about change with people? What we focus on, I do. I, I, I don't go right there because if you, if you focus on that, you're going to get more of that. So there, I think there's different kinds of mindsets. There's open, there's you know that growth mindset and there's that closed mindset. Yeah. And so I really like to focus on the growth mindset. And when, when we work with clients or when I work with clients, I, I do vision statements, I do assessments, I do things that get the mind thinking in a different way and, and not fearful and not anxiety and not all that stuff about change. We, we go all growth mindset on people. And mm. that's, that's kind of where we live in the, in, in the positive of it. Well, if you think about it, most people want to grow. They don't want to change, but they <laughs> want to grow, right? I mean, growth is just a positive way to think about that, right? It, it is. You know, I, I really help people align is the word for it. Um, you, you grow and you align. You grow and you align. And I help people align their heart, truths, and energy so that those things line up. I feel like when you line those things up, just about anything is possible. I think it's probably pretty good to hang out with you for a little bit. I'll have to talk to your husband to see what he thinks, you know, <laughs> because like my wife says, I have too many books and I'm like, oh, I don't understand what you're saying. And she says it again. And I go, I don't understand what you're saying. Listen, one of the things I love about you is that you say you said it in this interview already. You choose gratitude and joy or uh <sighs> You know, I, th I think people go one direction or the other. Do you find that people do one or the other? And do you feel that choosing gratitude and joy encourages managing change well? I, d I do. I, I think that. I think that gratitude and joy, you know, there's we vibrate at you know, all different sorts of levels here. And, and when you're when you're in gratitude, joy, love, peace, all that, all that stuff, the, the growth mindset is there. When you are thinking fear and anxiety and scared and scared of change and, and what's going to happen and I can't understand the future, you know, all those things that go with that, there's, there's a really big difference in the thinking. Uh, there's, just a, I, I don't, there's just a huge difference in the thinking. And it's just very important to, when we work, when we, have a ch when we want to change something, sorry, when we want to change something or something has changed for us that we didn't see coming it's incredibly important in either circumstance to to go into the gratitude about it you might not be all joyful at first i mean i can certainly tell you that when my dad had his strokes or when i've you know 
been resuscitated from food allergies, I'm not all sitting yes. there joyful, you know, right. like, yeah, this is great. Well, you're having a moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you really have to train, train yourself. And, and if you, if you don't know how to do that, you get a coach uh, like me to help you train so that when things occur, you have that tool in your best life toolbox is what I say. So I, I think this book is a, is a, is a tool for your best life toolbox so that when you are trying to change or you're dealing with some a change that you didn't see coming that you know how to navigate it do you love change i you know i do love change um there again i'm like everybody else i'm a human being some things i can't stand it when they yeah. change and you know i'd like for my dad to be here i'll tell you right um, he really would have loved this moment and i can't change it and that's frustrating yeah. Um, you know, I, I, you can tell a lot of us don't like change. For example, we fight aging instead oh, of embracing aging. You know, I think about aging all the time and I'm like, you know, people <laughs> always want to scream from, from the rooftops. You want to age, trust me. <laughs> and we, we fight it and, um, uh, just simple things, you know, people get all rattled. If you change the paint color, the furniture, yeah. uh, you think about it in terms of that. Um, and, and we work with people like that, or we work with people, um, I say we, cause I have a, a business partner, Chris Fuller, who does best ever you with me as well. But, yeah. um, I specifically, um, love to help people lose weight. Oh. Uh, yep. I've, I've helped a lot of people lose over a hundred pounds or more. Oh, that's gotta give you a great sense of accomplishment to them too. Oh, Listen, I, I love I'm it. Gonna, yeah. I'm going to ask you the funkiest question you've ever had in your life. Okay. Uh, have you personally learned that you are not in charge of, oh, of things? Absolutely. That's, that's, that's the one thing that you, that we all get to learn. Maybe even as we age, we try and control things sometimes, but absolutely. I've learned to not be a very controlling person and just kind of uh, control what I can and, and let the other things go. And um, I think that's a really important thing to really understand about change. You, you're not going to be able to control everything. I am going to call point. you. I am going to call you somebody who is an aggressor on change. In other words, you tend to walk toward it, but you're doing a lot of it. And so, this next question is about when you don't get the choice. Are you good at change? Me personally, or yes, helping right. people. Uh, you I am now. I, I, I think I was terrible at it when I would, you know, not terrible, right. at it, but I, you know, I think I had a lot to learn in many moments in my life or, you know, in 52 years, almost 53 years. Um, I, yeah, I didn't like it when my parents went bankrupt when I was a kid and I really didn't know how to deal with that. It was very, very bumpy. Um, for well, you probably eight, weren't eight sure exactly what it meant, right? No, yeah, no, I was so unsure. Um, I lived in a car for a week, you know, there, there, were, there were really rocky moments back then. Um, and I think I've gotten better as I've gotten, gotten older. And it's, it's cool to have written two books about change. And I weave in my personal stories and other people's um, stories into this book, there's 20 contributors. And wow. so, um, yeah, but I, I embrace, I'm just like everybody else. I embrace some changes and I've got the brakes on for other things, but in either circumstance, I definitely know how to navigate them better. Having used the 10 points of change, nice. 10 points of change in the book and, um, from assess to impact, there's 10 points. Oh, come on. You got to tell us, can you, can you tell us the 10 right quick? 
I can. I, I absolutely can. The, the first one is assess, then choose, discover, grow. The fifth one is support. The sixth one is implement. The seventh one is accept. And then in align your energy, chapters eight, nine, and 10 are engage, master, and impact. Master. Master, that's a great one. No kidding. Master and growth. Those two are huge, probably. Yeah. Yep. And, um, you know, that I, I always in, in that chapter, I'm like, okay, I want to give you like a lightsaber and call you a Jedi here because we're learning, <laughs> we're learning to master this process. So um, nice. But in the in the end of the in the end of the, the book, my hope is that you get so great at at change that you can actually teach other people. Nice. Or change well, the world if you want. I think that you have a great sense of humor, but I've got to say that it might be that the gratitude uh, resonates from you. A lot of attention came to uh, the love of Betty White when she died recently. And of yeah. course, everybody's so shocked. You know, it's like, oh, I can't believe that she could die. She's she's almost 100. She missed it by 17 days. Can you talk to us about what would Betty do? <laughs> what would Betty White do? Yeah, um, I I have a hashtag. What would Betty White do with the you know the acronym, and um, it's it's decently used actually. I found out, um, and people people knew that 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 was from Percolate, but right. I I wish she would have lived, and I wish she would live forever, and she does because we're talking about her. Uh, but I love Betty White. I I love her sense of humor, and I loved the fact that she loved animals. Yes. And I loved the fact that she was neutral in her in her politics. She, yes. Her 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 mo wasn't to rock the world and and be um, disruptive like that. She just was pe peaceful and sweet and kind and funny and wholesome. And I love that about her. Well, now look, Elizabeth. You know that if you live to be seventeen days shy of a hundred, and people are seriously bummed out that you died. Yeah. You are a good person, <laughs> you know, yeah, or at least that's what we all think, right? Yeah. yeah. And they, they're still her, her social media continues on Facebook. They are, they're posting pictures of her with animals and, and everything. So it, it's, it, her, her life will continue. People will talk about her and I'm so grateful to have her in percolate and uh, be able to think about what would be Betty White do? Cause you know, sometimes when you, when you have a decision or a choice to make, you really do need to think, well, what would Betty White do? <laughs> Well, and a lot made of people, choices like that, I think, well, what would Betty White do? A lot of people need that kind of perspective too, right? I, I think so. Cause it's, you know, if you don't, if you don't laugh and if you don't laugh at yourself, you're, you're missing a lot because I am a person who can find humor in just about everything. And, um, sometimes that's not the best, but it, it is me. Oh, that's all right. I can find humor in myself pretty much <laughs> any day of the week. Yeah. Listen, you, you know we're going to talk about the best ever you. So let's just kick that off right now. Listen to this. Quote, we provide professional and personal development to individuals and organizations around the world. Best Ever You is a leading multimedia provider of lifestyle, coaching, inspiration, and self-help tools and resources. Our focus is you. Embrace your inner love, gifts, and talents that create the essence of who you really are. Unquote. Okay, that's a whole lot of big right there. How did you come to found an organization with a mission statement like that one, 
<laughs> and please tell us yeah. about Best Ever You Network. So the, how that came about, I, I was laughing because um, our youngest, so you mentioned I'm a mom of four sons. They're now yes. 20, 22, 24, and 26. Well, when the youngest one was about to hit first grade, I thought, I know, I'm going to go back to work. I'm going to go back into the financial industry financial services industry that I know and love. And out the door I went, I suited up and went back to work. And I was in a boxing ring basically at work with four guys in a corner who were all fighting. And after mm. about a year, I closed my door and wrote that. I, I closed my door and wrote what you just read. Really? And it was, yeah, that was the business plan for the Best Ever You Network. I, I just said, there's got to be something better than this. And it was almost like a divine moment where it was like, I don't know who's writing this. It feels like it's not me, but I'm writing what I'm hearing, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> it's your Paul McCartney yesterday <laughs> moment where, yeah. you know, you just woke up and there it is, right? Of course, you, you had that experience. Um, I can't remember who, but I can tell you that you are the second person we've interviewed on this live event uh, who attended Pleasant Valley High School in Iowa. Now, I don't know what the odds are for that. How do you think growing up there may have impacted your worldview? I'm, I'm hoping it was Christine Romans from CNN because I cheerleaded with her. Um, she, she and I were cheerleaders together, but if it was somebody else, you'll have to let me know who it was, but Pleasant Valley, Iowa was a wonderful experience, a wonderful childhood. And it's, it impacts, it's impacted who I am because, uh, education was so important and writing was so important. And I loved growing up in Iowa and all my friends are there and I'm still friends with everybody. And I, we Facebook and talk and everything. So it's, Iowa is who I am. Uh, in fact, the foreword oh. to my book is written by Sherry Salata, who's also an Iowa Hawkeye. We have Go Hawks. That's how I met her on Twitter. <laughs> wow. What do yeah. people What do people miss when they think about change, either in a business environment or what's the common thing that, like, you know, because you know, people will miss a step. They'll just be like, I want to get to the result. How do I get to the result? <laughs> that's that's the common thing that people miss, actually, um, whether it's a New Year's resolution or um, a, a change you're trying to implement. People people think, oh, I can just make a decision that I'm going to change that and go with no plan or no process. And, mm -hmm. and in fact, there is a process. And so when you use this process, it'll help you, whether it's at work or in a personal setting. And that's exactly what people do miss is the process. Very good. Most, most often, especially with New Year's resolutions, um, you see people who on, you know, dis December 26th, they're writing down the 40 things they're going to change by February 1st. They can't and, remember uh, any of them. <laughs> yeah. By about February 10th, they're like, oh, never mind. <laughs> well, because that's not an action plan. That's a gr group of things that you, what is it I said a few minutes ago? People say a lot of things, but their behavior shows who they are, right? Yeah. And what's important to them. And by the way, we talk about process a lot at Rainmaker Pathway with our clients because no process, no nothing. I, I agree. I think the action is so, crit so critical to just everything. Um, I, just act, action is so important. And I think a lot of people wish for things, but they don't work for things or they wish for things and they don't know the how. 
And that's where another place where I think this book meets the reader really well is the how. Yes, people I've had want a lot to know of how. I, that's what I always want to know when I meet when I meet people. I'm like, well, how did you do that, or how do I do that? Mm, that's, and that's me how too. We how? By the way, I have a lot of trouble in that area when I play the Powerball. <laughs> I mean, I've got the getting the ticket down part right, but the other part is uh, it's a real head scratcher. I, <laughs> listen, I do want us to square up on the book for a few minutes, okay? Sure. The Change Guidebook: How to Align Your Heart truths and energy to find success in all areas of your life. First, I want to know, because I want people listening to this to know, when did this book come out? Because I know when it came out. And I want you to talk to us about your secrets and about what we can expect from this book. Hmm. That's juicy right there. My secrets, huh? Um, (laughs) I'm all about your secrets. Secrets. Um, Well, you know, I, I don't. Ha- I'm actually kind of like an open book. I don't keep many secrets. People, That's all right. Those first. are the people. Those are the people yeah. we want the secrets from the most. <laughs> um, so you have to tell me what kind of secret you want. But uh, as far as the book goes, you, do you know that the book didn't come out yet? Actually, it got pushed. <gasps> to the, yeah, it comes out April fifth. Oh um, I, I heard today though that Barnes and Noble is uh, shipping it today. So I think it's out on Barnes and Noble and Books a Million and maybe not Amazon yet. I'm not real All sure. Right, so, so before we go any further, do you find that when you have a book coming, you're like on pins and needles on the edge tracking where it is? And right? <laughs> All right, that's that? my secret. Oh, <laughs> yes. see? Yeah. I told you. I, you know, I would tell you that, that secretly this means so much to me. Yeah. Um, this is a really big deal for me to um, have written a second book. I didn't know if I was going to do that or not, especially after my dad died. My, uh, you know, my secret's kind of out in the book that I was just grieving so terribly. Right. And um, it just, this, this, this helped heal me, if that makes no. any sense. Um, it, it helped heal me. And I think in doing so, it's going to heal other people, I'll heal and help and um I, I hope my little secret hope is that I hope people give the book a hug and tell somebody about it, but hug it. Um, I hope they, they keep it. I hope you keep it with you. Um, like I do. Um, I got a copy the other day and it hasn't, it, I put it under my pillow. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, secret. look, yeah. I, I think the idea of having a guide, which is really interesting because it almost goes back to what would Betty White do? That's a guide right? To think about something from another perspective outside of your body and to have that kind of resource. Um, Is it intimidating to write these books and especially this one? Because, you know, people will picket things about change and uh, they always (laughs) say that that the people that are the loudest, they're, they're not really critics. They're people that don't want you to be successful. Maybe. Isn't that true? Yeah. yeah. I, keep, I keep the naysayers at, at arms or, you know, house link. That's like, no, I don't need that. Um, right. I like to surround myself with super positive people. And yeah, it is kind of scary to do things like this because you don't know where it's going to go, where it's going to live. And, you know, it's been translated already into a different language. And um, so I, and that's what you hope. Um, and yeah, it, it is kind of scary like that, but it's, it's a change that I welcome. I mean, what this book has such cool energy behind it. When I sat down to write it, 
I knew what I was going to write and I, I knew the structure of the way I was going to write and I knew that I wanted Jack Canfield to endorse it. And that was a moment I, I, I was sitting there going, I, this is one of my dreams. I really want two things. I really want Jack Canfield to endorse this book. And yes. I really want Olympia Snow to share her story, former Senator Olympia J. Snow to share her story in the book about being an orphan. And um, I set out to gather stories from people. And we have 20 contributors in the book. And I Jack find that Canfield fascinating too. Signed, you did not signed off. <laughs> you did not do this by yourself. You brought all of this energy together, right? That that's who I am as a person. I love to network with other people, and I believe in the power of collaboration so much. Um, I could have done this myself. I could have written it, but I think it right. would be a different book because I think I think people learn from stories, and I think the stories in here are ones that people will really relate to. In fact, my son wrote a story for the book. My youngest son mm. wrote a story for the book. Well, listen, you know, I'm glad that you said that because earlier you talked about people and we're hardwired for this and we're hardwired for this. In the business that I'm in, and we don't just consult media companies and radio companies, but that is our primary lane today. Uh, we talk about how people are hardwired for stories. That is really true. If you want to move someone, tell them a story. Don't tell them some hard data facts because they will snow over and go to sleep. I truly believe that as well. And that's why there's, there's a little bit of everything in this book. The structure of it is narrative from me, uh, stories from two stories in each chapter, and then exercises. Because I also believe that when you when you go through and write things down and think it through a little bit with your heart, the things you're thinking about come true. The goals you have come true. Oh, you believe and that? I, I really do. I've seen it. I've seen it work. What's uh, that thing that people talk about? Not a storyboard, but a, like a vision board. You, a vision board. You believe in this also? I do love vision boards. Uh, I. I don't. I didn't instruct people to do that in the book. We do a, a different kind of um, vision practice, uh -huh. but um, yeah, I like them for certain things. I especially like them when I help clients lose weight because I'd like them to picture what it is they'd like to be or 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 look. I especially like them too when somebody wants to travel because you can put up all sorts of pictures of where you want to go and what you want to do. So yeah, they're very, they're very helpful. It's another tool in the best life toolbox that I'm all for. That's interesting. You're putting people in the place that they would like to be and assigning them an emotion with the story, if yeah. you will. Um, do you, f the action part, is that the hardest thing for most people? when it comes to change, taking that baby step, or sometimes it's not a baby step, right? Yeah, sometimes it's not, you know, that depends on the person. Sometimes it's hard to get your heart into it and get motivated and so forth. And for other people, the, the action, it can be the easy part, um, but getting there might be harder. Do you know what I mean? That sometimes yes. people are like, oh yeah, I'll take action all day long, but I needed to get my my brain and tell myself the truth first <laughs> before I did all that action. Um, but for the most part, I would say that taking action is really trips people up for sure. Um, yeah. because it's take what, you know, it's all sorts of different actions. What, what action are you going to take? And one of the actions that I recommend people do is, um, like t 
tiny changes that compound. So for example, um, mm. I could give a, you want me to give like a weight loss story since so many people always want Do to lose weight. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cause um, you know what? Cause they lied to us about carbs when we were kids. <laughs> they did, didn't they? This is the problem. And, and by the <laughs> way, as long as we're slipping things in here, I'm going to say this out loud in front of God and everybody. If you have never had a weight problem, you are an amateur at eating. You do not know what you're doing. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, Agreed. Go ahead. Um, so, so you can make a tiny change and hold it for 30 days. For example, when I work with, with people who want to lose weight, I'll, I won't change anything except add something to them. So I won't take away, I don't want to, you know, you get really unpopular the second you take away somebody's food. Oh, sure. So um, I add, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna leave you alone, but I'm gonna add. And what I add is, you, you, in addition to everything that you're already doing, you keep going, we're going to add a lot of water. Mm. And you're going to hold that change for 30 days. And at day 31, you're going to keep adding a lot of water. And guess what? We're going to add something else. We're going to add a cup of vegetables to your diet every day. So you keep doing everything you want to do and you have fun, but we're going to add these two things. And then at the beginning of the, of the third chunk of time, you know, the next, 30 days so that you yeah. end up with 90 days. Then I do start to take things away. For example, I'll say, okay, um, if it depends on the person, but I'll say, okay, we're going to cut um, your portions in half, or I'll add another thing, which is, so you're going to drink water, you're going to add vegetables. Oh, and guess what? We're going to either walk or run. Usually it's walk a mile oh, every yes. day. And the first one I want you to time. So I know where you're at, no judgment. And, uh, let's keep going, you know, those types of things. So by the end of 90 days, you have three really tiny changes that um, have huge results usually. Okay. So is there an audio book? Because you know, when it comes to change, some people, they just don't like to read. I don't know if you know that. Is there an audio book? There is. I, I spent uh, three days in Boston recording yeah. the audiobook. I narrated the audiobook. I had to audition for my own audiobook. Well, <laughs> and, how'd, you, how'd you do? Did you, did you nail it right away or did they go, I don't know? No, we nailed it. And nailed I didn't it. actually have any, um, I don't have to go back for re-records and you know, all that good stuff. So it, it should be good to go. Um, but it's with Tantor Media mm -hmm. and um, the audiobook's actually in pre-order on Barnes and Noble. Hey, um, hey. Yeah, like but it's nine hours. Okay. And it's a, it's a, I think that's a fairly decent size audio book. And, um, that's a yeah. good trip. That's a good weekend trip somewhere. Come on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you exactly. Get in the car and flip that thing in there and get to change it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. It's, it's, it was fun to record. So Great where group. do we go from here? Let's say you're in business or you're an entrepreneur or you're experiencing children for the first time, I got to slide that in there for humor, because if you've had children, you know exactly what I mean. <laughs> Maybe you've lost a job, you've taken a big leap in your career. Maybe you've experienced the heartbreak of a sudden death or the joy and the frustration of encouraging others to change. Is there encouragement you can give us in terms of turning into change and into innovation as a joy on the journey of life. I would like people to, yes, I would like in, in all of those circumstances that you talk, just talked about to yes. encourage people to think with their heart. Uh, that's mm -hmm. the first thing. Um, really, we spend a lot of time overthinking and, and stuck in our heads. And I would love people to just pause, take a breath, 
put their hands over their heart. And when, when you have difficult moments or when you know you need to change or whatever, start in your heart and really listen. When your heart talks to you, you're going to hear it. And I think we get into a lot of trouble when we ignore our heart. Oh, hello. Uh, speaking from experience, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, uh, saying this for a friend. Um, I understand that idea right there. Um, do you think that stopping the world, the world is so busy, and like right now, you and I are talking on these devices that are fabulous, right? And sometimes they control us instead of us controlling them. Stopping the world and taking that moment, whether it is some kind of meditation or just taking stock of something, how powerful is that? And how powerful is your heart and focusing on that? Super powerful. It's, it's everything really. It's, it's, you're the, you're the CEO of your life. If, you know, I say, if your, if your life feels like a three ring circus, well, you're the ringmaster. So it's, it's up to you to pause. It's, it's up to you. And if you go, 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 the thing of it is, is sometimes life puts the pause in there for you. And, oh, and that's right. what we, that's what we hope to avoid. So, um, yeah, back, back that up, incorporate those pauses and really realize that we're not entitled to time. And how I think how we spend our moments, even down to like the nanosecond really matters. Because I, I, I think about that, I think about this a lot, um, as, as far as work goes, you know, I think, I think a lot of people just faced, you know, maybe even their own mortality. And yeah. there's nothing like a pandemic to really make you stop oh. and think, well, how am I spending my time? I think that people are real shook up about that right now. I yeah. just I just read an article about Goldman Sachs in which they said that they opened their business back up and told the employees to come back and half of 10,000 showed up. Yeah. Like, you I, know, I the boss it. is saying come to work and you're going, oh, I really, really want to make that two hour commute. I don't know. I mean, should my I husband go to and work? I, we made a huge change um, to, we were commuting. Uh, my husband was commuting two hours each way to work. And it was just ridiculous. Uh, that was in California. And when we, when we moved to Maine, it was such a more peaceful commute, like none. And even, even then we, um, like maybe 12 or 15 years ago, we opened up our own business mm. and, the commutes are, are non-existent for the most part. And it's just so peaceful. Well, and so I think know. people, I don't know, you know, not everybody has that luxury. And there's some people, you know, like a surgeon who you do hope they make the commute. But oh, yes. yeah, so, you know, we have to have respect for our, our employees and, and our people right now. And I think it's very important as a manager or a leader, a CEO and all that to give people the breathing room they need to understand what we've all been through because we've all been through something profound and we all process it differently. And as you can see, people are doing just that. And just to have a little fun with you. The only thing that you really have to worry about in your present location is becoming part of a Stephen King novel. He, you know, <laughs> that, right? a, he, yeah, he, he lives up North a little bit in this really cool house. If you Google it online oh, and yes. um, talk about a known main author, you know, you say, yeah, I'm an author from Maine. And people go, oh, <laughs> do you know Stephen yeah. King? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And, right. um, you know, you can only hope, thank you for that, because you can only hope your name gets mentioned with him because, you know, he's he's written so many amazing things and done 
done done so many amazing things with his writing as well. Um, yeah. By the way, just his book, if you've not read Stephen King's book on writing. Yeah, that's a great book, too. It's unbelievable, right? Yeah. Yep. So listen, I want you to tell us the name of your book one more time. Go ahead. The Change Guidebook, How to Align Your Heart, Truths, and Energy to Find Success in All Areas of Your Life. Boom. And you've got no excuses because even if you don't want to read it, you can order the audiobook and Elizabeth will read this book to you. <laughs> it doesn't get any better. Thank you, Elizabeth, for, for joining us on Innovation and Audio. I do hope that you'll stick around in case our, uh, somebody in our audience might have a question or two for you. Does that sound okay? It sounds great. And thank you so much. And thank you to everybody for being here with us. I really All right. appreciate it. Well, listen, if you haven't subscribed to the Encouragers Innovation and Audio podcast, you're already missing out on great content every single week. We already have a growing archive of shows for you, and you won't believe what you'll hear and the kind of guests that come on this live event that turns into a podcast that can improve the actual value of your career. We're encouragers here. While you're listening to this live event, make sure, sure that you've joined the encouragers here on the Clubhouse app and share what we're doing with friends in radio and audio and people who love innovation by itself. Of course, you can find out what our guests are talking about every single week by popping on here live with us, and you can meet them. You can ask questions of them. Uh, you can also subscribe to our podcast, which is the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast. And of course, we have another podcast, which comes from our Monday night live events. That event and that podcast is called the Encouragers, the Radio Rally Podcast. Both of these podcasts are available for free on Apple, Audible, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Here in just a minute, we are going to open up the room in case you have a question for our guest. There's a couple of different ways to do it. First, you can push the button at the bottom of your iPhone or Android device, and that lets me know as the moderator that you want to say something, and I'll bring you up on the stage. If we do that, I ask that you please mute your microphone until you're called on. The other way is to send me a question through the IM platform here on the Clubhouse app, and I'll ask the question for you. You don't have to worry about the embarrassment of uh, doing what I'm doing right now. So listen, also this, on the encouragers, our goal is to encourage radio pros and people in audio and people with innovation in every single way and at all levels. This includes helping broadcasters selling radio advertising. No, it's true. We now have a quarterly radio exclusive sales event and you can attend for free. If you've missed our quarterly sales exclusive event for Q1, that is called the 2022 uh, sales liftoff, you can grab that on our podcast uh, through the free blog section at RainmakerPathway.com, or you can subscribe to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast anytime and get it for free in our archives. However, I want to make this clear. You can save this date in advance and share this with anyone associated with broadcast or sales or audio revenue. On April 14, 2022, that's the date of our next exclusive sales event for market managers, sales managers, and local radio sellers. We're calling the upcoming Q2 sales exclusive event, Getting Higher Sales 
in a crowded market now. Our guests will include my co-host, Alec Drake from the Drake Media Group, and he's going to share some things along with both Dave Deutsch, who is president of Midwest Family, and Brian Maloney, who is the vice president of Capital Broadcasting. These are real on-the-ground experts in local markets developing revenue right now for them, for their teams, for their companies, and they're going to share directly with you how to boost your Q2 and remaining 2022 revenue April 14th, 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, right here on the Clubhouse app. Coming up on Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, our radio rally is on Clubhouse right here with the encouragers. And we're going to take a little trip and we're going to go even further than Elizabeth lives. We're going to go to Canada. And our guest will be Troy McCollum. He is the program director and content creator of Boom 97.3 Toronto. So we're going to find out how the Canadians do it. Please tell your friends in innovation, audio, and specifically radio, they can get our free resources anytime at rainmakerpathway.com. So, Elizabeth, I got a couple of questions from the IM platform for you. Are you ready for these? I am. Did you enjoy writing children's books, and how did that come about? I feel like I know this, but I want you to tell us. I love writing children's books. Um, they're they're absolutely fantastic. They I have Pinky Doodlebug, Pinky Doodle Dance, and then the three you mentioned earlier, and. Um, yeah, I, I absolutely love writing them. They're they're a lot of work. They're different. They're very different marketing and they're very different work because with children's books, you need to find an illustrator, of course, and uh, unless you are one, which is handy, I am not. So mm. I've had the, the good fortune to uh, have great illustrators. If you look at Pinky Doodlebug and Pinky Doodle Dance and the and the other books that Sally Huss illustrated, uh -huh. they're they're beautiful, and uh, that I. I think uh, I just, I'm really super proud of, of all of those books. Well, and your children are grown like mine. And so I don't know if you felt remorseful at the end and you weren't ready for the baby to go, but do, <laughs> does writing books for children, does it connect you more to that world a little bit too? You know, I, I think it does for sure. I've, I've, I love book. I love these books because they all have meaning. So they go with the best ever you network, yes. but they're about like Pinky Doodlebug and Pinky Doodle Dance are about collaboration and diversity and uh, friendship. And yeah, but I do wish my babies were home so that I could read to them still. Mm, right. <laughs> but you know, the funny thing is they grab them and read them as adults and it's, it's hilarious. They're still involved and they proofread them and edit them and give their suggestions and and oh, everybody's got stuff. opinions, right, Elizabeth? Oh, yeah. yeah. So this is a, a final question. So this is like the lightning round, I guess. It's the last <laughs> okay. question that we have from the IM platform. Um, how has writing about change improved your life and maybe those of your family and people around you? So I think writing about change has has improved my life because it I know the process better as I write about it, if that makes any sense yeah, absolutely. at all. And, and gathering those stories from people, you know, when I gathered the stories from people, I, all I did was I said, you know, to my, to people in our network that I knew really well, I said, you know, I'm writing this book and here's a point of change. And I'd like a story about this point of change, but I didn't really have any idea what they were going to write. And their stories blew me away. 
Absolutely. And and I I tell you, I feel such a connection to our contributors and to the readers. Uh, it, it changes a t- is a tricky topic. And so writing about it helped me get more clear on it as well. Nice. And this book comes out April the 5th. Look at that. April 5th, y'all. Listen, we do try to keep things to about an hour. Our thanks to Elizabeth for being our patient and very giving guest today. A very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers Innovation and Audio Podcast, which will be available very rapidly here. And of course, uh, I want to say thank you to JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing them. Please do share our podcast. This is part of our joy of spreading encouragement. This is how we do it. Uh, Our podcast are the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, and the Encouragers Innovation in Audio podcast. You can share those with others that you know are interested in growing their careers in audio or just people who love innovation and encouragement. Both of these podcasts are available on Apple, Audible, Spotify, and almost anywhere that you get your podcast. If you don't remember anything else from this live event or this podcast, however you're listening to this, be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of Innovation and Audio with the Encouragers, and good night.